The YJFL podcast and the Swinburne University of Technology respectfully acknowledges the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation as the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded. We are honoured to recognise our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander community and our connection to Wurundjeri country, history, culture and spirituality. We pay respect to all Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the YJFL podcast episode number four. So excited to be back for another episode. We've got a big one in store for you today as well. As always, my name is Will Michael and we are brought to you by the Swinburne University of Technology and the Swinburne School of Health Sciences. As I said, huge episode for you today. We've got a very special guest, former AFL star and now the Chief Sports Officer of Rookie Me, Robbie Campbell, Premiership star for the Hawks in 2008, of course. We talked about Robbie's journey to the AFL from Rutherglen in northern Victoria through the Murray Bush Rangers, coming down to the Hawthorne Football Club, what that was like playing his early days at the Hawks with the likes of Shane Crawford, Luke Hodge, Sammy Mitchell, all those superstars. We talked about Buddy's 100 goals on the G and then, of course, the 2008 grand final, what that was like. And finally, we talked about Robbie's move into Rookie Me and what he's been doing at Rookie Me as the Chief Sports Officer. We talked about Rookie Me's partnership with the YJFL. Rookie Me, of course, the official coach and player development partner of the YJFL. We talked about some of the programs that they're offering and what's available to our participants, as well as the Mid-Year Mastery Program, which is coming up in July. So a lot going on, very exciting episode, as I said, and let's get stuck into it. All right, welcome to the YJFL podcast, as always sponsored by the Swinburne University of Technology. Very exciting episode today. We've got a very special guest. I'm really excited for this one. A former AFL player and currently the Chief Sports Officer at Rookie Me, Robbie Campbell. Robbie, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Will. Thanks for having me. Beautiful. Now, Robbie, as I said at the top of the show, former AFL player for the Hawthorne Football Club, Premiership star, obviously, in 2008, 116 games played for the Hawks. Um, before we get into all that kind of stuff, and we will touch on all that, I want to go back to your junior days. Um, obviously, we're the Yarra Junior Football League, so important to touch on all that kind of stuff. Um, tell us about sort of how you got into footy and where you started your career. Uh, yeah, I think uh, like most kids, you sort of get involved with. I think it was Vic Kick at the time, so not Oz Kick, but Vic Kick and uh, down your local footy club. Um, you know, I think all the senior players at your footy club were like AFL players at the time, so you looked up to them and you're inspired by them. And um, I came from a little country town, Rutherglen, uh, in northeast Victoria, two thousand people, and yeah, footy was pretty much the religion of the town, and so you got involved, and um, and that's sort of where it all started. Beautiful. And now Rutherglen, up near the Murray River, the Great Murray River, of course, beautiful part of the world. Yep, God's country. Um, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and uh, you played your um, talent pathways footy for the Murray Bush Rangers back in the TAC Cup, it was known back then. Um, tell us about um, what it was like playing in the TAC Cup then and sort of how it's sort of evolved now and what you've seen um, coming through in the talent pathways. Yeah, when I was a kid, I guess it was... Um, yeah, it was sort of little moments of opportunity. I played well in a grand final and got invited to try out for the Bushies. So I'm not sure how 
I guess structured the talent identification was back in those days. But um, you know, being six foot six and sort of a bit of a man child, I got an opportunity probably when I didn't deserve. I just played well in one game and you know got invited along and then sort of made my made the most of my opportunities, I suppose, in that environment. Uh, yeah, and like funnily enough, to the point where I played well in one game and story has it that a Hawks recruiter was watching that one game and wrote my name down and da-da-da. So it's sort of a big thing of what I do today is just trying to help kids understand that opportunities are probably the, the most important thing. Just take opportunities, create opportunities um, and sort of it, it sort of you can take control of your own destiny a little bit by, by grabbing a hold of those. So, um, yeah, so that was my story and I was a pretty raw kid. I just yeah, loved playing basketball and footy as a young fella and being around my friends and I'm a big believer that if you enjoy playing then you play well, so you know a big factor of even what I do again now is is making sure kids really enjoy the process of learning and enjoy the process of getting better. So that was me. That was me. Beautiful. And now after your Murray Pathways days, as we said, you were drafted to the Hawks. A slightly different um, pathway to the Hawks. You were taken in the rookie draft, uh, pick twenty seven in the two thousand and one rookie draft. Um, what were sort of the emotions leading up to that moment? Were you expecting to get taken? Was it sort of a uh, an unexpected moment. How did you feel? Uh, yeah, like I said, mate, it was uh, like when you talk about opportunities. I yeah played well in this one game. You know, did a few good things throughout the year with Murray and played finals and whatever. And and then at the end of the year, wrote a resume and sent it out to all the AFL clubs. And Hawthorne got back to me and got me down to try out and train with Box Hill. So I came out and trained with Box Hill for a week. And then a spot opened up on the Hawks list, and I went and trained with Hawthorne for a week. And then. I remember being um, out in the Dandenongs doing a running session and the draft was that morning and we'd finished the running session and all of us got in and they announced that yeah, three of us that were doing the session had been drafted that morning. And yeah, it was a whirlwind because yeah, like four months earlier I'm playing in front of probably you know 20 families and friends at a country footy ground you know, potato patch out the back of country victoria and then all of a sudden then i'm training with shane crawford you know brownlow medalist a year or two earlier and you know all these other superstars so a bit of a whirlwind but yeah the emotions were pretty crazy but exciting at the same time because as i said it's um i've always been one a believer in yeah opportunities and grab a hold of them and you, you never know what will happen so yeah that was that was sort of how it started with me getting to afl level so tell me a little bit more about the move from Rutherglen to Melbourne. What did that feel like? As sort of you're coming from country uh, Victoria up there on Murray. How does it feel to sort of come down to a big club like Hawthorne? And as you said, you're training with these these superstars. That must have been a bit of a, a bit of a culture shock. Yeah, it was. It was um, just a bit of an unknown too. Like you know, I didn't really know what it took to be an elite athlete. Like I didn't know, you know, hydration simple things as like being hydrated or um, you know the amount of water you drink or the amount of food or um, you know training loads or whatever um, like I still remember for the first year or two of my AFL career I was sleeping on a makeshift bed on the floor you know not thinking much of it not even sort of taking into account that it might be impacting my sleep or the way I perform when I train or anything like that so um, yeah there was a lot to learn um, I'm definitely a, a mummy's boy as well like very much I grew up in a pub, so mum was the chef and the, you know, pretty much looked after her boy to the best of her ability. And so when I moved down, it was a bit of a culture shock in regards to, you know, 
just the the standard stuff that you know is pretty obvious these days. But yeah, as a eighteen year old boy that was very much just you know just looked after. It's sort of a bit of a shock having a shop for yourself and cook, clean all the all the stuff that's um, yeah just a part of becoming an adult. So yeah, a bit of a shock. So did you get thrown in with one of the other players, or were you just living by yourself? Yeah. So when I first got drafted, I moved in with uh, Michael Osborne and Chance Bateman. So the three of us just found our own little place in Surrey Hills. We were training at Glenferry Oval then, so just you know rolled down the hill to Glenferry off Canterbury Road, and yeah, it was fun, really, really fun time. And looking back now, like we've all got kids and we're all old buggers, but you know the fact we're all eighteen and just excited about the future at the time was pretty cool. So yeah, but again, Aussie was from Queensland, Chance was from WA, so you know we're all three. Three Stooges sort of thrown together just to figure it out. So, yeah, it was cool. And then you debuted in 2002. What were the emotions like for your debut? Uh, it was a bit crazy. I, I debuted with Sam Mitchell and Luke Hodge. So we all debuted the same day. And um, and that's probably the most famous part of my career almost is that I got to debut with them and they end up being who they are. Um, but, yeah, it was fun. It was I was a Richmond supporter. We debuted against Richmond. So I was like a can, uh, kid in a candy store a little bit after the game, just shaking, you know, all the superstars' hands that I'd sort of supported. Um, and we won as well. So, uh, But I still remember, you know, I came on start of the second quarter and I reckon three minutes in I was blowing, you know, like I just ran a marathon and looked up at the clock. I remember thinking, oh, it's got to be my time to rotate and it only, yeah, like two or, min- two or three minutes had gone past. So... Yeah, nerves and emotions and all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, just get a hold of you. And, but yeah, very, very exciting. And I remember my first possession, I threw it but got away with it. So I got one handball on my record that was definitely a throw, but it was my first one. So I'm sure you get away with a few throws <laughs> these it. days, the way <laughs> things are going. Um, now, you played sporadically for a few seasons. Um, obviously, hard to crack in when you're young coming into a, an AFL side in that environment. Um, but after sort of 2006, you, you really established yourself in the side and became a real mainstay in the Hawthorne side. Um, how did you sort of maintain motivation and what did it sort of take to break into the side? Uh, yeah, as I said, it was probably more so when I was young, I just didn't get it. Um, you know, I understand that, you know, consistency is just as important as, you know, having an impact in one moment in a game, like being able to back it up and, you know, have consistency. So... I was just, yeah, I was just really inconsistent in my start of my career. So I'd play three or four games and I'd be out for three or four and I'd be in. And So as you said, so I think I played something like 30-odd games across five seasons and then played, you know, 80 or 90 straight to finish my career. So, um, yeah, so sort of just started to... Honestly, I, I got injured at the start of 2005 and um, it just sort of made me really reflect on, uh, yeah, just what I knew about being a professional athlete and understanding the game and... And just sort of, you know, uh, I guess kicked me into gear in a sense to to say the opportunity I have to play AFL and all that sort of stuff. I ended up missing the whole year in 05. It was the first year of Clarko and this whole new regime. So I missed the whole year and then, yeah, came back and didn't miss a game, for, as I said, for three or four years after that. So I think it's sort of the kick in the butt I needed um, that sort of end, almost ended my career but then helped me become a premiership player essentially just getting it all aligned and, and making sure it works. And that's sort of progressed into my life post-footy is I'm really passionate about helping kids yeah, understand that they've got control of their own destiny and um, empowering them to 
to take control and yeah, and tick 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 the boxes along the way. Mm. And obviously, two thousand and eight is when it sort of all came together for the Hawks. Um, my colleague Jess was very excited for me to talk to you about the 2008 Premiership, so we've got to get stuck into that. But obviously 2008, a very big year for the Hawks. Before we get into the Premiership stuff, I want to talk a little bit about um, Buddy Franklin, Lance Franklin. Obviously you played with him, superstar of the game, just played his 350th. You were on the ground for his um, 100 goals. <laughs> yeah. um, famous moment, you were taking photos was, with some yeah. of the fans, signing autographs. Yeah. Just, just tell us about that moment, what it was like being out there for when yeah. Buddy kicked 100. Yeah, I think, um, like most of my career, I think when you finish, you reflect back on the amazing moments, and that's another one, especially when you saw Buddy kick his thousandth and everyone gets on the field. I'm like, I remember thinking, holy holy hell, like I was a part of that, you know, that moment as well. Um, and to be second to him on that night, like so Ruffy got to him first and then I got to him second, it was just such a head spin of what I was a part of. And, um, yeah, he, he's the only player that I ever... I remember sitting on the bench with Hodgie one day and I, he did something crazy, like something very buddy-like. And I remember turning to Hodgie saying, thank God he's on our team. He's just that player that... He's the only player I ever thought that of and I played with some pretty incredible players. He was, yeah. So now that he, in fact he's not a hawk, it's sort of definitely hurt us a bit. But um, but yeah, he's just an animal. Um, but yeah, in that moment, it was, it was quite funny because I'm remembered for a few things in my career and that's probably one of them is getting photos with people when Buddy kicked his 100th. Um, and it's, it stemmed from the week before they were playing in Perth and I had the week off heading into finals because I had some knee problems and didn't want to fly over, fly back, swelling and whatever. So I had the week off but they had this big meeting about if he kicked 100 goals and if he kicks it and you get to him, the police will, or the security guards will cover him and, blah, blah, and they'll take you off the ground. I guess. But if you're not near him, go to the middle of the ground and security will surround you so that you know fans can't, whatever. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I didn't know that. I didn't know that story, so I went to him. He started feeding, feeding him off the field, and I got squeezed out. And then all of a sudden, I'm standing 30 meters from goal, just sort of looking around, thinking, "Where is everyone?" And then, yeah, people just started coming past with cameras and just taking selfies. And and there's yeah, famously, I've just got this one with one guy. And you can see in my face, I'm just like, I just was like, what, "What's happening? What's like? Get off the field! Like, get off! Get off! We want to keep playing." So, yeah, it was unique. It was very unique, but it was. Uh, yeah, one of those moments in history that, like, and to think the buddy's been able to do it twice is pretty crazy. Like, kicks a hundred, then kicks a thousand. To be able to have that moment where everyone's storming the field just for him, it's pretty surreal. So, yeah, to be a part of it was pretty cool. And obviously, it all sort of culminated with the the two thousand and eight premiership, as we said. Yep. Um, what was sort of the vibe around the club that season? Obviously, there was a powerhouse in Geelong yep. um, around that time and everyone sort of thought, you know, they were the ones to beat. But did you guys really feel the whole time you could always get them and you were a real chance? Yeah, I think it might be a bit of, you know, like young naivety and we were just pretty keen to prove ourselves and um, I just think, yeah, I don't know, we were, we were just pretty... Um, raw I think and you know we'd got this new game plan that we'd been working on for a few years and we sort of felt like we had a bit of a uh, a key to the treasure chest that no one else had so Clarko's sort of cluster and pressure frontal pressure and stuff that sort of got introduced to our group uh, we felt like no one else knew it or knew how to defend it um, and if you look at a, the results from that year we'd a lot of teams would be with us for a lot of the game but then we'd explode and win by 10 goals you know there was a few games 
especially late in the year where we'd play some really quality teams. Even the first final in the prelim, like Bulldogs and St Kilda, we'd be close and then we'd win by... So it's sort of like there'd be a tipping point in the game where we'd just take over just through sheer you know, pressure. So we felt really confident that our, you know, our techniques and stuff were working and, yeah, we're just young and, you know, let's just have a crack and see what happens sort of mentality. And I think we'd played the Cats... You know, something like I think the f- previous five times, I think the combined result was like, you know, 12 points or something. So we were always pretty close with them. I think we played them in round 15 that year and we messed up a kick through the corridor and they'd won the game by a kick. So it's like, so we always felt like we were close. Even though they were the dominant team, we sort of knew that we matched up pretty well. So yeah, and I guess the game panned out the same way a little bit. Hmm. And you look back at, your side from around that time there's obviously some amazing names as well we've already mentioned um, the likes of Franks, uh, Franklin you mentioned Alistair Clarkson your coach obviously but yep. um, we've mentioned Mitchell Crawford Hodge um, yeah. Rioli Roughhead there's yeah, some nuts. serious players there oh. so um, there's obviously a reason why you guys won you're obviously a very good football side um, do you stay in touch with all those guys yeah oh look it's a it's sort of a funny one because I think when you're in the environment your best mates because you see each other every day. It's sort of like work colleagues. Like I'm best mates with all my work colleagues at Rookie Me now because we see each other every day. They know my family. They know everything that's happening in my life. Um, And it's the same with footy. Like you're best mates with everyone while you're there. And then when you're out, they keep living that world and you go on to the real world, so to speak. So, um, But it's kind of strange because every time you see someone, you run across them, it's like you, you you hung out with them yesterday. So it's... There's definitely a connection there that's a bit different to, you know, your you know schoolmates and all that sort of stuff. It's there's some sort of connection that combines you. But, um, but yeah, don't see everyone every day. But yeah, it's nice when you see people. I got Mitch asked me back to present a jumper, maybe a couple of months ago, and yeah, to walk in and how accepted we felt, and my family, and my kids, and yeah, it's just nice to reconnect sometimes. And um, just tell the audience at home. Achieving success at the top level, how does that feel? You've obviously, you finally reached the top of the mountain, so to speak. How did you feel post-grand final achieving that success? Uh, personally, um, yeah, it was, I think it was just more a little bit of shock, to be honest. Like it was, I think we'd always given ourselves a chance to win, but, you know, people ask me all the time, it's like, when did you know you were going to be a premiership player? It's just like, well... I remember a moment in the third quarter, Stewie Jew was going a bit crazy and kicked a couple of goals and we were up by 30 points out of nowhere. And I remember being at the top of the 50 and just sort of started to celebrate and had some really strong leaders around me at the time that told me to settle down. Um, But that was the first moment I ever sort of thought, oh, shivers, I might be a premiership player pretty soon. And then... And it wasn't until sort of halfway through the last quarter where I I went to the bench, there was probably five minutes to go, we were up by five goals and thinking, oh, wow, we're going to win. And all I could think about was getting back on the field because I wanted to finish on the field. So ran back on and just sort of roamed around for that sort of four or five minutes to finish. I couldn't imagine being Geelong, you know, knowing you're going to win for two and a half quarters, three quarters like they did last year, just my head would be spinning. So to do that for four or five minutes was really nice. But, yeah, it's honestly a bit of a blur from then to, you know, like a week later when you sort of can sit back and... Like I had surgery booked in like three days after the game and... So you just get back into business pretty quick. But, yeah, we are able to celebrate for, you know, be around family and friends for a couple of days, which was really nice. And then back to work. So back to work to try and go again. And then the next year we missed finals. So 
you know, you walked back to ground, you know, thud pretty quickly. And I, I retired after that next season, so it was all, it's a bit of a whirlwind. So it happens. Yeah, you've just mentioned um, footy can change pretty quickly. Obviously, you guys missed finals 2009, um, and you've already mentioned your knee injuries, which sort of um, derailed your career a little bit. Um, how did that sort of all, all go down, those knee injuries, and, um, you know, how did the sort of surgery go and dealing with um, sort of coming to terms with potential retirement? Uh, yeah, it's shock. Um, as I mentioned before, like inconsistent for the first five years, started to get my act together for three or four years and then it was over. So it was a bit of a shock to feel like I'd sort of, like I was 27, maybe, or 28. So it's, you know, really young for, especially my position as a ruckman, it's pretty confronting. So I had surgery after the season in 09 and, um, yeah, the surgeon just sat me down and just sort of said, you know, your knee's pretty bad damage-wise. Um, you know, you might think about retiring. And I remember just sort of going... It wasn't even in my brain. Like I had another year on my contract and it was everything was sort of fine. I was just getting a head start on pre-season and then all of a sudden that became a conversation that we had to have. And yeah, it's confronting and a bit daunting and scary and all that sort of stuff. Um, uh, and then made the decision and moved past it and spent the year at Hawthorne helping with the rucks and at Box Hill. And it just sort of... I remember saying to the club before I decided to retire, I said, look, if you can give me six months to get my body right, I'll be fine. But if they demanded me to sort of be back and playing within sort of three months, I probably wouldn't be able to do that. And the club just obviously couldn't guarantee that. Plus also, um, you know, the way it worked out, I think every ruckman went down and Hodgie was rucking, you know, round two and round three. So they would have definitely needed me. Um, so I think it was the right decision you know, for the time. Um, I came back and played with Box Hill and then was drafted by Melbourne. Um, got an opportunity there. So I sort of, I definitely got my body back to, you know, playing condition, play with Box Hill, had a really enjoyable time, you know, with uh, Brendan Bolton down there to try and help Box Hill play finals and win. Um, and then got drafted to Melbourne and was really excited about the opportunity of um, impacting a, a team that was similar to us probably 10 years earlier. Um, and that's probably where my passion lies and even post footy now it's, it lies with, as I said before, like just empowering people to to impact their sort of their environment. So, yeah, being in Melbourne was really fun, you know, to to you know work with a Maxi Gorn and a Jack Viney and these kids when they were, you know, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. It was it's really rewarding to see them obviously go on and win a flag now. So, um, but yeah, scary, but similar to when you're eighteen coming to AFL level, it's it's all scary, but it's exciting as well. So. And you sort of mentioned that um, post footy, you've gone into a little bit of coaching. Did you yeah. did you sort of know that was where you wanted to head after footy, or did it um, take a little bit of time to sort of find your direction in that sense? Yeah, uh, I, I didn't necessarily think I would coach. Um, I think I've definitely fallen into what I am passionate about. Uh, like I don't I don't like necessarily coaching win losses. Like I'm not I'm not a day to day coach. I'm definitely a you know a development or a mentor. You know, player development, leadership development sort of um, role within what we do with Rookie Me. So I love that. Um, and to be able to sort of customise that and create that myself has been really, you know, really rewarding and enjoyable. I'm um, saying that I did coach at Williamstown for three years um, in the VFL with Andy Collins. And um, I think I found my space there. So I was, I was head of the midfield and I was 2IC to him. So I, he made all the decisions and I just got to talk footy and, you know, 
focus on moments in a game that we can change and alter. So I think that was sort of where I enjoyed my position. Um, whether I could be a head coach or not, I don't, I don't know. But, yeah, definitely enjoy the process of getting the most out of individuals to, to impact a, a team environment. So, yeah, so... I think it naturally, like I studied teaching when I was playing, and so I think I'm naturally a educator and a, as I said, like a mentor or a, a leader in that regard. Um, the strategies and all that stuff of the game, the X's and O's. Don't know how interested I am in that. <laughs> so yeah. And yeah, as you mentioned, you've uh, moved on now to rookie me, where um, you're the chief sports officer. Um, and Rookie Me, obviously, the YJFL community coach and player development partner. Um, we're very excited to have Rookie Me on board, obviously. Um, tell us a little bit about your role there and what that involves. Yeah, so when we first started, it was just what I knew, I guess. So, yeah, footy and um, creating programs to you know, impact kids and all that sort of stuff. And, um, and then it's evolved into chief sports officer. So I work with, you know, seven-year-olds all the way up to CEOs of you know, leagues like, like the YJFL or, you know, you know, the AFL working with uh, coach development um, heads, you know, developing content for coach development across the country, across the world. So my role is diverse, um, which I think I enjoy. <laughs> I think, um, you know, I said before when we walked in, it's like, you know, I'm busy, 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 but I think I work really well when I'm busy and I... Um, and engaging with multiple different environments and having multiple things happening. So, yeah, so it works for me at the moment. Um, with my role as well, I'm the head coach of all of our footy programs. So we run our academy, but also, you know, as a partnership with the league, we run footy development programs. Um, we had a great turnout in April and we've got another one coming up, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But, um, yeah, just, just seeing kids that are eager to, to start to put the pieces of the puzzle together is, really excites me and that's what, is sort of the essence of what I do. So, um, yeah, and, and I think the reason I love it so much is because that's what I sort of did. Like, I was pretty much a blank canvas and had some really, you know, critical people across my journey take time and make effort, you know, to help me put the pieces of the puzzle together and then to become successful, like we talked about before, it's not just me going out and kicking a ball. It's all these uh, conversations or, you know, the confidence I build at certain start times of my life that, that impact me in, in moments like grand finals. So, yeah, so for me to be able to do that now is is where my passion lies within Rookie Me. So, yeah, the Chief Sports Officer role is is great because I get oversight of how we impact in those environments. Beautiful. And obviously we've um, been very lucky to have Rookie Me assist with um, some special events this year. We had our season kickoff event. Um, you guys helped out with our interleague uh, combine day. Um, what other sort of resources are available to people within the league? Yeah, so um, as you mentioned, the season kickoff. So we we ran for around 150 kids uh, in April, which is exciting. We're hoping to have that at least, if not more, come along in July um, uh, for our, our mid-season mastery program. Um, we've got around 10 to 12 different master classes that the kids will come and learn, and with specialist coaches, and uh, all focused around this time of year. As we know, Melbourne weather is miserable half the time, so staying motivated and um, you know, and making sure that uh, you have a big impact at the end of the season is really important. So we've we've built a program to to impact that. Um, but we're also really heavily involved with coach development. So we've done a lot of stuff with Gary Brown, who's obviously a huge part of that within the league, um, onboarding coaches with their um, you know new coaches and returning coaches to their clubs. And we've got some 
with our partnership with the AFL being the, the official coaching technology partner of the AFL. So we've got coaching resources that every coach has access to in the league, you know, both to support their training sessions plus also their game day. So, so yeah, so trying to have a, as big as impact as we can at community level. We've we partnered with the AFL to, to have a big impact, but, you know, getting our hands dirty down at community you know, league level is, is what's important to us as well. So hitting from both angles. So every coach that gets accredited gets access to these resources, but this league gets access to our premium resources because of the partnership, which is, yeah, it's a huge benefit to coaches within the league. Beautiful. And as we mentioned, um, the mid-year mastery event coming up in early July, school holiday period, um, a good one to sort of um, continue on your skills for the rest of the season. Um, we want to get as many YJFL participants as we can involved. Um, a good place to develop sort of attacking, contested and defensive skills. We'll work on all that kind of stuff there. Um, we've also got a special guest joining this year. Do you want to speak we to do, who yeah. that is? So Lily Mithen, um, Premiership player with the Mighty Demons uh, last year in the AFLW. She's an ex-rookie me, academy athlete, so she's super keen to, to be a part of the program, um, come down and impart her knowledge so she's a um, tenacious you know resilient uh, young lady that you know won't take no for an answer you'll see her and she's you know, not too much bigger than a, a large cup of coffee so she's you know a little pocket but pocket rocket but she's yeah amazing in in how she's been able to impact at AFLW level and she's yeah she's great um, in regards to dealing with kids and working with kids and got a, a huge amount of time for you know for questions and uh, yeah, just a really genuine person. So we're really excited to have her involved. She's involved with our women's academy um, as one of our main coaches there as well. But yeah, getting along to these events is um, yeah, as, as mentioned, it's it's a tough time of year. This time of year, it's sometimes hard to get out of the car to get training or wake up early to go for that extra run or do some extra skills. So if we can keep building habits in kids to encourage them to to get up and get moving and stay motivated and yeah, we want to try and ensure they have a huge impact on the second half of their year. And, yeah, getting someone like Lily along who's, you know, reached the summit now and has got to try and work to do it again. Um, yeah, and all of our other coaches are really experienced as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a fun environment and we, we're really looking forward to it. Yeah, very excited to have Lily come down to that one. Obviously, a start of the Melbourne AFLW team and we're very grateful for her time. Um, so to get involved with that um, mid-year mastery program in early July, um, make sure you keep an eye on our YJFL socials. We'll be promoting that one all across our social pages, um, sending out some email marketing in that one as well. So keep an eye on your inboxes for that one. Yeah, and also just on the Rookie Me pages and events tab, click on that. Um, can go into it, get all the information on what the event's about. Um, as I mentioned before, some masterclasses, some s- specialist coaches coming along, yeah, AFL appearance with Lily. Um, yeah, just an all-out fun uh, fun day. So, um, yeah, get involved. We'd love to see as many kids as we can. Beautiful. Looking forward to it. Robbie, thank you so much for joining us on the YJFL podcast today. been an absolute pleasure. No worries, mate. Anytime. This podcast is proud to be supported by the Swinburne University School of Health Sciences. The Swinburne School of Health Sciences offers a wide array of courses with great career pathways in areas such as biomedical science, nursing and allied health, psychology, nutrition, health promotion, public and environmental health, and exercise and sports science. Find out more about how you can apply, visit www.swinburne.edu.au.
All right, that's all we have time for today on the YJFL podcast. Huge episode. Thank you very much to Robbie Campbell, Chief Sports Officer at Rookie Me, for joining us and telling us all about his Hawthorne days and what's going on with Rookie Me and the YJFL. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure you follow along, subscribe, follow the YJFL podcast and hit us up on the YJFL socials. Follow our website for any updates about the YJFL. We look forward to hopefully seeing you out there at the YJFL and Rookie Me Mid-Year Mastery Program. We're more than halfway through the YJFL season now, so rounding the bend. We're coming up to a big few weeks finishing out the home and away season, and then we've got the excitement of finals coming up, so looking very much forward to that. As always, thank you for joining us, and we'll see you on the next episode.